Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And today I will not be preaching your typical Father's Day message. You will forgive me if you feel it's slightly inappropriate. Hopefully today what I'm really seeking to do is to be appropriate to everybody in attendance here today. And so I want to encourage you, uh, let's just open our hearts and uh, I want to just share some thoughts today entitled, In the Beginning. This message is entitled, In the Beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Here it is. In the beginning, God. I'm going to stop right there. In the beginning, God. When does God show up in your troubled situation? When are you expecting him to show up? When are you hoping that he will show up in your difficult situation? Maybe it is that you walked in here today and today you are carrying a burden that quite honestly you are not meant to carry, but you are carrying a burden today that in your heart you just somehow feel and believe that somebody's got to lift the weight. Somebody's got to do something. There's, there's got to be, you know, God's got to show up. And I know that we, uh, you know, we have, there is this phrase that we often use, and we're, we're really often blessed by this. And the, the saying goes, God may not, be there when you want him, but he's always on time. We, we love that. I like that. That's a good, good saying. But we often interpret that, that somehow God is absent right up until the moment he, you need him to sort of swoop in and really then fix it. However, we, we kind of look at that and we think, well, you know, God's not there. And, you know, he's, he may not be there right now, but... Oh, he'll show up on time. <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of flawed theology in that. Unfortunately, I like it, and you can say it all you want, and you can jump on it all you want and be blessed by it, and you can, you can say that's, that's good stuff, and you know, it's, it's good. But in the end, it, it misses something. And here's what it misses. You see, your problems may be so intense to you and it seems that there is no way that God is near you in your situation. And that's how we sometimes interpret that. But today, I, I want to just show you from the Word of God that God is not there only at the moment where you have to have Him there. God has been there from the very beginning. And we started with Genesis 1-1 to let us know that God is not absent at any point in human history. This, folks, is when time began. This is when God put it all into motion. And before we somehow begin to think that God is not there for me now and He's only going to show up at the last moment like swooping in like Superman out of nowhere to fix our problems, we are missing the important point of Scripture that yes, in the middle of your pain, he might just still be there for you. He is there in the beginning. For those who think that maybe somehow he is 
sort of absent in the moment of your pain, you need to realign your thinking. He's there. If you somehow think that God has forgotten you, you need to realign your thinking today and realize and understand and recognize that God is present in the beginning. Now, I realize we can get into the area, and it's not my intention to do that today. There are those who would object, and certainly atheists kind of come down on this side of the, the logic of it all. Well, then if God, you know, is really there, then why doesn't he stop all the bad things from happening? But in the end, we are, we are sort of intimating that he is supposed to. Maybe some of the bad things are happening because it's all working according to his plan. That maybe some things are taking place behind the scenes that we don't see. We want to get into that a little bit more in a moment. But here's three things that we need to recognize today. First of all, he is there in the beginning, though not always visible. He's there in the beginning, though not always visible. I realize today the trouble that you're going through is what you might see. The difficulties in your life, the, the decisions that you have to make, the things that you have to grapple with, those are the things that so often we see. But what we need to really see is the fact that though we cannot see him with our human eyes and though we cannot somehow seem to look past the difficulty of our pain and our trouble and get beyond that, you need to recognize that God is not absent in the middle of that situation, that he is there there right in the beginning classic example of this is certainly the life of job we look at job and job had no idea that god had been there from the get-go that he had been there right from the very beginning though job didn't know he didn't he didn't you know just because he didn't see god in this situation did not mean that god was not there and so often we are in that type of a situation. We're there in the middle of pain and frustration and sorrow and bitterness and anger and envy. And we're in the middle of, of all kinds of troubles and difficulties and pains and things that come to us. And we think that somehow God is not present in the situation. You need to know that what we read about in Job, we read in Job chapter 1 that God was there. Now Job, Job on in all fairness to Job, he didn't have Job chapter 1. <laughs> Job chapter 1 happened to sort of happen to him. Job didn't realize it until you get to the end of the book. And all of a sudden there, God begins to speak and reveal Job. I was there from the very beginning when all the bad stuff happened, when all the bad things began to take place. And no, Job, it wasn't because you were a sinner like what your quote-unquote friends were trying to tell you that somehow you've just been so bad that certainly God is angry with you. He's out to get you and he is out to judge you. No, it's not what they said, but you need to realize, Job, I was there there in the very beginning and in fact that's what God says to him when he begins to speak God says Job were you there when this earth was formed were you there when I thundered my voice out of the heavens and created the heavens no he says but I was one of the things we have to recognize is though our pain and our sorrow 
and our difficulties seem so real and it seems like that's the only thing that's going on around us, we need to recognize that God is there in the beginning. He was there when all of a sudden something happened and something hit in your life that felt so bad and it hurt so much. Something came down the road at you and made you think that somehow God is not there. You need to know that he was right there at the beginning. He doesn't have to show up on time. He was already there when it started. Surely, we look at the life of Job and, you know, you hear some of his friends talk and some of their speeches sound so compelling. And in fact, some of their theology sounds so good and it's, it, it, it seems to line up. But it was the right knowledge at the wrong time. They were expressing good things, right things in some circumstances, but it was the wrong situation. You see, God was there from the very, very beginning. When we look at him and we look at the life of Job, we recognize that God was always there. That it wasn't that God appeared in Job 38 and 39 and on through. It wasn't that God just sort of somehow came in at the last second to fix things and to set these friends straight and to make sure that they got their theology right and they knew how to rightly apply it. No, it was God was there from the very beginning. And I recognize today that some of us might have fallen for the lie that says God has to just sort of protect me from all harm, all difficulty, all evil, all bad things in life if I'm a Christian. No, that's not exactly how it's supposed to go. Jesus promised his disciples, in this life you will have trouble, you will have affliction, but I have prayed for you. Folks, we've got somebody that we can run to and that we can depend on and that we can find help and strength in the midst of our pain and our sorrow. Somebody who is not absent, but somebody who's been there from the very beginning. You remember the Israelites? Turn over to Exodus chapter 3, if you would. I want you to see these verses of Scripture. Exodus chapter 3. We think about the Israelites. One of the things that they didn't recognize that he was there in the beginning though he wasn't visible. The world says you got to see it then you can believe it. It's the absolute opposite in the word of God. You believe it then you see it. We've got to turn it around and that's really what Jesus said to Thomas. Though Jesus had mercy on Thomas Thomas doubted if Jesus was alive. He said, I'm, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And Jesus said, go ahead, touch, touch where they, they pierced my side. Go ahead, touch the nail prints of my hands, Thomas. It's me. It's me. I, I'm, not, I'm not a ghost. I'm not anything other than I am Jesus. I am the resurrected Christ, but I'm, I'm Jesus. But he said, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. The Israelites in their oppression, the Bible says this. Let's read this starting at verse 7 and going down through to verse 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Now, notice these words. I have heard them crying out. I have heard them crying out. Because of their slave drivers, and I, have I am concerned about their suffering. 
That's something else. If you can underline anything, you need to underline that. I am concerned about their suffering. So often we somehow think that God is so distant. He doesn't care what's going on. He does. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you. He's speaking to Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But one of the things that we need to recognize in this is the timing. And this is something that we don't often talk about, the timing. And again, we go back to this little phrase that I mentioned earlier that we've, we've used before, and I love it. We've actually, in the past, the ensemble used to sing a song with that in it. He, you know, he may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. And, and yet, in all of this, we see that God is there in the beginning. The Israelites are crying out. There's no help. No help has arrived. But what they don't know is the invisible is doing something. That what they cannot see is working for them. And brothers and sisters, all they're seeing is the pain and the suffering of their slavery and the Egyptian slavery that's going on around them. They, they can't see what's happening, but all the while they're crying out in their suffering and they're crying out and crying out. And before there's ever a Red Sea, there is God working behind the scenes, speaking to Moses, commissioning Moses and saying, Moses, I have been here for from the very beginning, I have not given up on my people. I've not forgotten my people. And he says, if for nothing else, I am concerned about their suffering. But he was so concerned that he said, Moses, now I'm going to send you. And we're going to get these people out of here. We're going to get them out of here. And you remember every step of the way, there seemed to be obstacle after obstacle, difficulty after di difficulty, and they couldn't, they couldn't somehow grapple with the fact that if God was able to bring them from this point to this point, he is certainly able to take them from there to the next point. That God, in the midst of all those obstacles, he can lead them through every single one of them. But listen, we have something here that is revealed to us, and it is this. God was there in the beginning. And God is there in the beginning in your situation. You might be crying out today in the midst of your difficulties and problems. And you may be saying, God, when are you going to show up? Lord, come on. you got to do something here. You've got to minister to me. you got to help me. you got to somehow show up for me. But God's word to us this morning is simply this. I have already shown up. I am already there. I am in the midst of your situation. And I have seen your pain. I have seen seen your suffering I have seen your difficulty and help is on the way though you can't see him maybe you can't even feel his presence you need to have the assurance of the word of God and thank God we've got the word of God that he is there when your trouble begins you don't need to wait for him to show up because brothers and sisters he's there He's there for you right now. He's there for you to help you. You need to know he, you, you're crying out to him today for this thing or that thing. Maybe you're crying out for a wayward son or daughter. We've been praying now for a long time for sons and daughters. This morning I was so surprised. I got a text wishing me a happy Father's Day. 
And I didn't know who it was from because it was just a phone number that popped up. I couldn't tell who it was from. So I texted it back, said, thank you, but I, I, the name didn't pop up. I don't know who it's from. Who is this? And it was, it was Lynette's son, Joe. We've been praying for Joe for a long time, and we need to keep praying for him. Out of the blue, I don't know why, I don't know how, why, where, I, it blessed me. We've known Joe for a long time. He was in our youth group a long time ago. He just, but, but in that moment, it made me understand, you know what, God is there. We've been praying, and we're going to continue to pray and believe God. But you know what? We're going to keep praying until we see an answer. God is there. We're crying out and crying out and feeling like nothing's happening. You need to know something is happening behind the scenes. And it's only a matter of time before God begins to peel back the curtain and show you what he has in store for you. He is there in the beginning, and therefore, he knows what you're dealing with. He knows the details of your situation as soon as it begins. This is the one thing that's also hard because our situations sort of unfold and we don't know what's going to happen next. The Bible reveals to us that he knows the end from the beginning. That as soon as it begins, God already has the end in view. You don't. Well, in one respect, we have the end in view. We just want it to end, don't we? Lord, that light at the end of the tunnel, it's like somebody said, I, you know, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel until I realized it was getting closer, <laughs> which meant it was a train headed my way. You start running the other direction. No, listen, it's not that way with God. God is not going to bowl you over. He's not going to run you over. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You just might not be able to see it yet. But he has seen it. He knows where it is. He knows when it's going to show up. He knows the details of your situation before it begins. He knows exactly what you are going through. If he is there in the beginning, he knows all about it. He knows all about it. He knows every part of that detail. And we read in Psalm 139, the, the psalmist writes and he says, You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You know everything about me. You know all of the mundane details of my life. You know what's going on. He knows your situation as it's beginning. Remember when Jesus came walking on the water to his disciples in the midst of the storm, something we often forget about this story is that Jesus saw what they were going through even before they knew he was there. He saw them, and this is why we need to read all the Gospels. You might read the story in John about how Jesus came walking on the water. You don't get that picture. You read it in Matthew, you don't get that picture. But when you turn to the book of Mark, which I'd like you to do, Mark chapter 6, we're going to get a little bit different picture and a little bit different perspective of when Jesus came walking on the water, sometimes, and, and for us, we read that story and we say, oh, thank God, you just showed up just on time. No, no, he showed up earlier. He saw what was going on earlier. He knew the details of the situation earlier. You see, if for nothing else, folks, we need to recognize that God has in view every situation that we're going through. Even though we don't see the end, we don't feel the end, we feel like it's just going to keep going and keep going. He knows what is going on. Listen to what the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, starting at verse, verse 47. It says this, when evening came, 
The boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. Now notice this, verse 48, look at verse 48. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Mark records something that no other gospel writer records for us. What Jesus saw before he even stepped out on the water. And you know what Jesus saw? His disciples. He saw the struggle that they were going through. He saw the difficulty that his disciples were having. And certainly because he was still fully God and fully man, he could feel what the fear of their heart and what it was that they were going through. Listen to what it says as we go on. And we're going to read just down through to verse 50. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when, he saw, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And right there, if we stop reading, Jesus has not calmed the storm yet, folks. But the word of the Lord is, is in the middle of the storm, he has seen what you're going through. He stops for a moment and he speaks to you. The storm is raging, but he says, don't be afraid. It's still going on around. He hasn't gotten into the boat yet. He hasn't said, be peace, be still to the storm and the winds died down. He spoke to his disciples and he let them know, it is me. I've showed up and I knew what you're going through. I knew what was going on all the way at the very beginning of this trial and this struggle that you're going through I knew what was happening don't worry it's me don't be afraid and brothers and sisters don't allow yourself to fear in the midst of your situation when you're going through the trouble and the difficulty and you might think you're all alone and nobody knows what it is that you're going through you have a wonderful savior who is peering down from the mountain looking out on the lake seeing you struggle and seeing you go through it it hasn't escaped his attention he hasn't forgotten about what you're dealing with and going through but instead he says I'm going to show up for you and I'm going to let you know I've been there all all along I have been there all along and I know exactly what you're dealing with though he wasn't visible to his disciples they didn't have the understanding that he saw them to me that means even more than Jesus sort of showing up just sort of what seemed like the last minute for the disciples what means so much more is the fact that this morning he sees what you're going through he sees the pain of your life. He might not have come and calmed the storm just yet for you, but you need to know he sees you in the midst of the storm. And he's not going to let anything happen to you that is going to bring you down or take you under. God is not interested in seeing you be defeated. He is interested in seeing you be victorious. He is not going to allow his people to be defeated by the enemy and to stand as a trophy for the enemy, but instead his grace comes and brings about strength in the midst of your trouble and lets you know it's me don't be afraid don't be afraid now since he knows what you've been dealing with from the beginning here's another thing we have to remember he knows what the solution will be he knows how to work it out he knows how to fix it 
I am so glad. There, there are all kinds of how-tos in life. You know, we, we look for situations on how to do different things, how to, to do one thing or another. But you know what? In the end, if you want to know how, go to the Lord. And he's the one who will come into that situation and bring a fix in the midst of that problem. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 29. And something that you need to keep in mind in the midst of your trouble and your difficulty is that he knows what the solution will be. He knows exactly what it will be. And in fact, he knows what what it will be even in the times where we have given in to sin. Times where we've gone our own way, we've done our own thing, and we have, we have violated Scripture. We've, we've gone against God, and yet in the midst of all of that, even God still has a solution. This is really the context of what we're going to read. Because Jeremiah ministered to the people of Judah. He proclaimed that, listen, you've got to repent of your sin. They refused to listen to anything that he, he said. He preached for years and years, and nobody, nobody agreed with him. Absolutely no one. The only one who came close was his cousin. Kind of went along with it. He sort of obeyed. He, if for nothing else, he probably agreed with Jeremiah. But other than that, nobody listened to Jeremiah. And as a result, God said, and it was unfolding right in front of Jeremiah's eyes, there's going to be 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar has come knocking on our door. Actually, he came to bust our door down, and that's exactly what he did. He came knocking on our door, and he's going to carry you away for 70 years of captivity. And it's as a result of your sin. Your sin has gotten you into this situation. Sometimes we think, you know, we just write people off. If they're, they're giving in to sin and they're doing their own thing, we think, well, you know what? What, what goes around comes around. You know, you, you sow what you reap. And we say that so judgmentally. So often we do that. We write people off. If they're giving in to sin, we just forget it. Now let's move on to somebody who wants to hear the truth. But listen to what the word of the Lord is for rebellious, rebellious people. And he knew what the solution was going to be. And here he presents it. Listen to what he says. Verse 10 in Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious, and it was gracious, gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Now look at verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. No, you need to, let's read that again. For I know the plans I have for you. He knows what the solution will be. He's got it all worked out. Declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He knew what the solution was going to be for the people of Judah, and in the context of this passage, it was as a result of their sin that they were going into Babylonian captivity, and yet God showed up and says, I still have a plan for you for you. I know what the solution is and I know what it's going to be and at the right time I'm going to put it into action. 
Listen, you might not have a plan B in mind. This past Friday, we had already anticipated a plan B for the wedding of Carlo and Julie. They were planning to get married outside in the Rose Garden. And as my wife and I were on our way there, watching all the clouds roll in and the wind begin to whip up and the lightning show begin to happen and the thunder begin to happen and the rain came down, I was grateful they had a plan B. And I know they were too. Because plan B made it easier for everybody to know exactly what was going to happen and how things were going to be carried out. You might not know, though, in your situation what plan B is. You might not even have any kind of plan, but you need to know that he knows what the solution is in your life. God is present in all of that difficulty in that situation. And if he knows the end from the beginning, then we can have confidence that God is going to bring about the solution that is most effective for your life and for his kingdom. Now, the last thing we need to see is this. He was there in the beginning, and therefore, he knows how to make something good come out of bad things. He knows how to make good come out of your problem. Go back down, oh, over, let's, let's go left in the Bible. Go to Genesis. Back to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. He knows how to make something good come from your problem. Genesis chapter 50, starting at verse 19 and reading down through to verse 20. 19 and 20. Here's a great example of this. Genesis 50, verses 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, that is his brothers who were afraid for their lives. Now that their father was gone, Jacob had had died and been buried, they thought Joseph is going to get revenge. Listen to what Joseph says. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God that is to bring judgment to you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it. Now, for those who have not read the life of Joseph, I would encourage you to start at about chapter 39, chapter 36, and move forward and just read through the end of Genesis to get a true picture of what that little word, it, involves. That little word, it, right there is loaded with his brothers hating him and hating him to the point where some of them plotted to kill him. They wanted to get rid of their brother Joseph. Other brothers prevailed and said, no, let's just pretend that something bad happened to him and that he was killed. His father favored him above all the other brothers. And Joseph had these dreams that drove them nuts. He would come out and tell them these dreams. Drove them crazy. Look, you guys, there were 11 sheaves of wheat out in the field and they all bowed down to to mine. What do you think that means, guys? <laughs> there were, you know, the sun, there were, there were 12 stars out there, and, and the moon and the sun and, and the 11 stars bowed down to this one star. Guys, what do you think that means? 
They said, oh, we're going to get Joseph. So they began to carry out the it that Joseph speaks about. Let's throw him in a pit. Let's take that coat of many colors. We're going to tear it apart, put animals' blood on it. Our father will never know the difference, and we'll take it. And come on, here's a caravan coming. Let's sell him down the river down to, to Egypt. Let's just get rid of him and sell him as a slave into Egypt. And that's what they do. They go home, and they break their father's heart. They let this man grieve over a son who's not dead, but he, he grieves like he's dead because that's what he thinks. He gets down to Egypt and we know the story there, how, you know, he's doing so well. And all of a sudden, some wicked woman gets her eyes on him and thinks she can have him. And he's, he's a man of integrity and honor. And, and all of a sudden, another part of this it that we just read about comes about. And, and, and she, he rejects the plan. He rejects what her advances. And he's thrown into jail. And there he... He meets two men who came from the king's court, the butler and the baker. And there he interprets their dreams for them. And he, he tells the butler, listen, you're going to be you're going to be exalted back into your, your position. Remember me. OK, and he's sure I'll remember you. And two years later, he's wasting away in jail. The guy forgot about him. The it was pretty rough for Joseph. But you need to recognize today that God can take the it in this. Because God was there in the beginning. One thing we somehow fail to remember is God was there when these brothers were plotting. God was there to preserve Joseph's life. We think that somehow the slavery into Egypt and the going down there and being thrown into jail, that was all bad. It was all bad and all bad. And somehow God was able to rescue his plan in this situation. No, God had a plan from the beginning. It might have seemed harsh at the beginning. It might have seemed like somehow that doesn't make any sense but how else is Joseph gonna get to Egypt he was so loved by his father his father would never have let him go and he wouldn't have wanted to go how was he gonna get down there how was he gonna rescue his family when seven years of famine was gonna come how was he gonna be able to do it unless he was exalted to number two in the Egyptian nation how could it have happened God took the it and he made something wonderful out of it. And there are things that we go through in our lives that are the it for us. They are the things that just meets the whole, whole picture. And somehow we look back on bad experiences. And we think that somehow God can't have anything to do with that. Yes, he can. But he can turn it around for his good. And he can make good come out of it all. God created something beautiful. Out of something so chaotic and empty. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 again. And just read verses 1 and 2. Bible says this. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Not some lightning storm in the midst of that, whatever they call it, that somehow sparked that first self-replicating cell. No, it wasn't that. It was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. God took something that was formless. The Bible says that the, the earth was formless and empty and it was full of darkness. And he took that... And he made what we have around us something so beautiful. 
When you realize, you look at, and I realize, you know, we, we look at our man-made city and we drive up this alley or this street or that street and that alley. It doesn't look so beautiful. Some of the things that go on, we realize that doesn't look beautiful. That's not the beauty I'm talking about. That's not, it's not the man-made stuff that's, that's been so great. It's been the God-made stuff that's so wonderful. When you look at the beauty that is around you and you realize that, that what happens at, at night when the stars are out and there's not a cloud in the sky, you look up and the beauty that is there. God was able to take something that was out of and, and make something out of nothing. If God is able to do that, brothers and sisters, we have to come to the place where we recognize that he is able to take our lives as difficult and at times as chaotic as they might be and as troublesome as they might be and as difficult as they might be and he is able to make something beautiful, something wonderful, something powerful out of our lives. He is able to do that in the midst of our pain and listen, the pain might be there but you need to know that God is there working and moving and making something wonderful that he can use for his kingdom. He can use to bring about a change in people's lives he can use for his glory and for his honor God is able to do that listen you might be going through a deep dark moment in your life a struggle physically emotionally maybe even mentally certainly spiritually but all of that, you need to know that God is still there. God has not forgotten you. He's not given up on you. God wants to make something great out of you. He wants to do something great in and through your life. God, look, it, why, why would any of us... See, is it just to get to heaven that he placed his hand on our lives? I'm grateful for heaven. I'm grateful for the, the, you know, that, that day when that comes. That we get to go and spend eternity with him. But that's not why he placed his hand on our lives now. It, it is also that we might be effective for his kingdom. As I've said in the past, it's so that we can take as many people with us as we possibly can. The trouble in your life is not some haphazard thing that's happening to you that God is nowhere to be found in the middle of it and you're just hoping he's going to swoop in at the last second and fix it. No, God is in the middle of it all and God was there at the very beginning and he will be there at the very end for you. He will be there. There might be some fathers in this place today who you're going through difficulties and you don't, you don't even know how to talk about it. <laughs> we men are gifted that way, aren't we? We don't talk. You know, so the one, one father said to his teenage daughter, said, I don't understand. She picked up the phone when it rang. She said, he said, I don't understand. You, you only talk for 30 minutes. You know, what, what, what's going on? Why, why so short? And the girl said, said to him, said, oh, it was the wrong number. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the difference between men and women. Our conversations are over in 30 seconds. And we got the scoop. Well, not the whole scoop. But we got enough of the scoop for us. You know, that's, that's how things are. But yet there are times in our lives where, you know, dads, you're going through something. You don't know what to say, how to say it. But 
There is something that is going on on the inside of you. You need to know, brothers, that that God is there for you. That he is there in the beginning. Whatever it is that you might be dealing with, he was there in the beginning. And he will be there at the end for you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to feel like it's out of control. And we we men don't like to be out of control in any respect. We like to have control and be in control. Why do you think the remote typically, you know, we want it? That's typically what happens. You want the controls, but sometimes things are not controlled so easily. What do you do? What we need to do is we need to come to the Word of God and we need to find, Lord, you have been there in the very beginning. You were there at the very beginning, and you will take care of us. Some of you ladies who are here today, it might be that you walked into this building today feeling as though things are just swirling out of control and you don't know how to handle it. You can't seem to get your mind around what's happening in your life and you, you, you want somebody to just say, I understand. Listen, somebody's already said it. His name is Jesus. He's already saw, he saw you from the mountain when you were struggling at the oars and you were struggling to somehow just make it through the storm that you can't see your way through. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. Can we bow our heads this morning?